0: Hi everyone. Welcome to <laughs> I was going to say welcome to podcast season. Welcome to podcast season. Gat gat gat. Um maybe it is podcast season, but it is also Pisces season. So welcome to Pisces season. <sighs> the literal dreamiest season there is. <laughs> um how are y'all? How are y'all swimming in these deep waters? Keeping your head above water, I hope with a good breath stroke, or maybe a little doggy paddle, or maybe you feel like you're sinking a little bit, or drowning or holding your breath at the bottom of the water. But either way, this is a season to deeply feel your emotions and to deeply follow your heart's calling to like see where your dreams are taking you, to watch your actual dreams, but also your kind of figurative dreams And your heart—what is like hiding behind, like you know, your heart—that's like your deepest heart's like vision. And what are you going to do to implement that? This season is really the time to ask that question and to go after that, um, especially with this Pisces new moon. And I wonder how it's treated, folks. Uh, For me, I—it was particularly intense. Um I had such vivid dreams, like I had dreams where like I woke up and I wrote down a novel, like I remembered like every detail and then certain symbols in my dreams appeared throughout the day. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so this is what we're doing. Like it was amazing and intense um, and we're still in that potent energy, right? So it's a really good time to just write down, visualize, manifest, pray, call into your reality, however you want to call it, you know, to welcome your vision to just kind of merge with you in a way that makes sense for you. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to just talk for a few minutes about um, I just wanted to do just like a little recap and kind of get into the most recent blog post up on luckystar.wordpress.com, um, which you can read for yourself. I think it's called Three of Swords into the Three of Cups. And so you can go So you can still go ahead and read that um, if you'd like, um, but I'll just, I'll give you a little rundown too. So you know, actually, I guess I I guess I'll kind of talk around that a little bit or more supplementary um, to that, and I guess I'll do that by talking a little bit about some of my own experiences and about some of my past. So when I started doing what you could call organizing work or just like more like organized activism or something, um, I started by going on Peace Walks with Nippon Zanmyohoji, which is a Buddhist, Japanese Buddhist order that goes on these spiritual pilgrimages and builds pagodas and is very much focused on restoring health to planet Earth by ensuring that nuclear war never happens again, and removing even the threat of nuclear war from happening, and even the dangers of nuclear weapons and nuclear power from the purview of humanity, essentially. and so when i started walking i was like a little baby adult like i had just turned 18 and just recovered from back surgery so like i literally i don't know i think within like five months after i turned 18 i was on my first peace walk Um, i didn't i didn't plan it like that that was just the way it happened that was like god's plan (laughs) um That was a Drake reference. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Now I'm just thinking about how Young Money is just the greatest. Like, what a great duo. Like, who is, who is, like, beating Young Money? Like, I was asking myself this question earlier, and I was saying, like, maybe Janae Aiko and Big Sean for, like, hit for hit, bar for bar. But, like, I don't know. I don't know who else. Uh, not to be offensive. There are so many talented people in the world who make music. And otherwise. So when I was 18, I was hanging out with a lot of people much, okay, much older than I was. And some of these people were just like middle-aged or whatever. Um, all, I'm sorry, I like have something else going on in my headphone mic right now and it's like very jarring <laughs> when it pops up and loud. Um, so a lot of the people who I organized with were like people I had never met before, like people I had never even maybe imagined. I don't even know how to describe it. It was a culture shock for sure. But some of these people were like, People who had been demonstrators in like the 70s, anti nuke people from years ago. So these people were now maybe in their 60s and 70s. People who were just just so many different kinds of people who had these different relationships to nuclear weapons, this different experience. During that time, I met um, Hibakusha, survivors of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I've heard stories of just children from all over the world who have been devastated by the effects of uranium and uh, nuclear things, children from Fallujah who needed surgery who were born with deformities. Um, Heard from many people from several different reservations who experienced firsthand, like watching loved ones get sick, from uranium exposure, or they themselves getting sick, um, just like many many people. And um, we were we would continuously just kind of walk and you know talk to different communities of folks, different nuclear reactors, whatever the case may be. And there would be people who we would talk to and. Like I would watch these these old heads get in get down and just start going in like we would sit down, and these people would open their mouth and be like, "Total nuclear fallout, nuclear war and devastation, Ash will cover the earth and rain down from the sky and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, like you can't come off the bat like that, like I know like it's true, it's scary, it's devastating, it's overwhelming, and it's not to sugarcoat the facts, but what I could see as a young person was like. Bro, this is so hopeless. You're making me feel hopeless. And so I knew instinctively and immediately that that was not the way to get people like on your team. That's not the way to get people to listen. And I understand why they did it, you know. That's how that's the reality and that's how they want to get people to pay attention. But I understand that to, to just fear make people fearful to follow you is just like a way to It's a way of control. And sometimes that happens when people feel that actually they don't have control. And either way, like, it's not a good way to, it's not a good way to meet people. Um, and so I was just constantly learning and sort of taking notes and learning and taking notes. And one thing that I would say a lot was like, we had, like, later when I, at a certain time, you know, after I found my voice and started speaking up, I begin to understand we have to have hope and we have to find ways to show people how to have hope, you know. And I ask myself this a lot. How do you have hope in a dark time, you know? And, you know, Buddhism, Buddhism, you know, Buddhism knows about suffering, you know, Buddhism talks about suffering. Buddhism is not shy from speaking about, you know, detachment and practicing, you know, the acts of, you know, letting go, you know. Um, so I, I began to just kind of write and share the experiences with people and make art and, you know, it's very amazing. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a different story. <laughs> that's my story, you know, that's a different story, uh, which I have talking about and written about extensively. And can get into more at other junctures um, but my point here is about hope in a dark time and I, you know it's funny right like I know why there exists the saying you know ignorance is bliss you know because once you know something <laughs> you can't unknow it <laughs> you know um, you just can't you know yeah. knowledge is like it's like a, it's like a beautiful gift but it, it it carries a big responsibility so i've been just thinking about turkey and just watching what's going on in turkey and it just makes me feel so like as as the reality is it's destabilized And it just makes me think to, like, 10, 11 years ago when, like, Syria was getting blown to pieces and just thousands and thousands of refugees were just coming into Turkey, you know, and Turkey, the whole, like, you know, makeup of Turkey was changing, you know, and then, you know, and Syrian refugees coming, you know, to different places in the world, like Italy, Germany, United States, like all this kind of stuff. And, you know, now... Turkey just having like, oh, okay, one earth-shattering, devastating earthquake. Oh, no, now there's one more. And those were just, those were enough, you know? Those were too much. And then to now see that another earthquake just hit again, it's just like, it's this weird thing that happens when you are in a place and you're watching something devastating happen and you almost feel powerless like you're not powerless like there's definitely things you can always do but you feel sometimes like what what can i do and then like how do i like what do i do you know and for me i have a personal connection to turkey you know my my ex and his whole family live in turkey i spent some time in turkey (sighs) I'm part of my uh, heritage is Greek. So we have a like a long, old, twisty relationship with Turkey. You know, um, because it's somewhere my feet have touched the ground, I, I like I just like I have a, a little bit of a relationship to that country. And I was thinking about when my ex told me one time about the last major earthquake that had hit Turkey. And it was in like 94. So I don't, this is just my memory of the conversation, right? I don't know the year that it hit Turkey, but there was a, there was an earthquake that hit Turkey in the early 90s that was bad. And I talked to my ex and a couple of his friends about it. And I actually wrote up as like a little poetry piece what, what, what one of his, old friends and roommates had said about it which I you know now that I'm thinking about it I should find and I should read and I will I will do that at the end of this podcast um but my my ex was just telling me how after that earthquake you know for months and months like people you could just randomly run like even when you had water Like, even when you had water, like, you might just run out of water, you know, at some point. You might just run out of water, and so you have to, like, carry buckets of water. And, like, I, 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 I know how much of a privileged, like, viewpoint this is, because I know that there are so many places in this country and in the world where everyday people don't have any water. Like, I understand that. And I feel like it's important to acknowledge that. Um, But he would just tell me, like, about getting water, when there would be no water. He would just tell me about sometimes no electricity, which, again, is, like, very normal for a lot of people. He would tell me about how, like, the entire infrastructure had just completely shifted and changed. And... I just, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, and I was just saying, like, imagine, like, what it does to you mentally, even if you survive, your family survives, you see all this devastation around you, but then, like, even just, like, buildings, like, buildings that you've seen from your whole life are just gone, like, it would confuse your brain, like, because the, 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 The where, the places you're walking, your body your, remembers those roots, but they look different. Everything's changed. And I think that the kind of devastation that this does to humanity, to be having buildings fall down on people and to be watching people pulled out of the rubble and to be not knowing where your loved ones are and hoping for the best, but hoping for the worst, but hoping it, like it's very deep. This kind of like amount of what they can call like untold suffering untold suffering and yeah so i mean i'll take a moment to say that um i know i don't really i don't know how to tell people in this kind of situation because it's so much but um together rising which is glenn and doll's organization which is one that for sure i trust they're doing fundraising um so if you're a person who has like money i would say you can go to together rising and send money to people in Turkey. Um I don't know what else to tell you to do. Everything helps, but like, this just, it's a lot, you know? Um, just like, I guess what my, one of my teachers, Daniel Four, kind of said, is just to keep like, finding ways to hold space for the suffering and grieving, you know? Maybe whether that's like praying or anything, just keep keep this energy of hope in your heart, you know, and um, don't, just don't always look away, you know? don't pretend that it's not happening just because it's not like in your neighborhood, like this is the, your planet, you know, these are your relatives that are going through this. And so I was thinking about, um, you know, how, how, how we stay hopeful, how we, how we, how we can continue to sort of dream and, and focus on like having our own, like good things for ourselves while things are happening, you know? And the messages that I got back from my spirit team were very beautiful Um, and just to kind of condense it in one, one sentence real quick so that you kind of have an understanding, they basically were just saying like, you are the one who has the power in your life. Every choice you make adjusts your life path, you know, and they were showing me that, you know, by you having the power to make your own choices and your own decisions, that is like a power which you can never underestimate. That is incredibly important. You know? And each of our actions, each path that we follow, it does, it does affect <laughs> everyone, the universe, everything, you know? And um, from a perspective where people are not very much understanding of staying connected that might sound like i'm just talking about like you know from the spiritual aspect but you know everything is spirituality when you're living (laughs) but um you know one thing is like you know because we live in a consumerist experience in a capitalist culture Um, which is the modern world. Um, or even if you don't live in a capitalist culture, a capitalist culture exists alongside the way that you're living. So you are still related to a capitalist culture if you are alive today and like you can choose like how you make your purchases, you know? And people talk a lot here when election times come about, like, vote this, vote that. But every day, you make a vote with your money. Which is why like BDS movement, sanctions movement, are so feared and revered, because they actually have a very real impact. They work. In other words. And it's really important to keep in mind. Because what I'm seeing is that the pace that we're going in the world is a pace with which we cannot keep up anymore. And things just are sort of falling apart, kind of, a bit. Because it's not a pace that we can feasibly handle anymore. We have to change our pace, you know? We have to change how we do things. Um, I don't know how much of this I should get into right now. Um, I really just planned this to be like a little just 10-minute sort of thing, but I guess it was just a lot I I needed to say about just Turkey and just everything. Um and I'm not talking about like I mean, I think when I'm talking about like money and stuff, how we how we how we vote with our money. I think I'm talking specifically about a little bit about like clothes and Stuff like that like not so much like food and like fast food and all that kind of stuff i just think like it is important and not so important because of actually the money right because the billionaires already exist and stuff but because i think that our money and how we spend it because energy the energy of money is a frequency that we all respond to very you know uniquely very differently but that that consciousness, that money is very much connected to in our thoughts, our patterns of self worth, and like if we have certain things, we'll look better, we'll feel better, we'll we'll be the best version of ourselves. And it's a, it's a bit it's a bit complex, right? Because there are things that make life so much more accessible for some people. But ironically, the cost of getting those accessibility tools is usually very, very high. And I'm not talking about money now. And so when we value ourselves highly, we find that often what we have may be enough you might need to start a project and you just use what you have i say this as the person who before i met junson when i would walk i walked with kato shonen and sister claire and toby shonen and Tim and that squad San was a mythical woman to me. She was a legend. Every <laughs> every time I would meet someone new who had walked with her before, because I was a young girl, probably, they would look me in my face and they would just tell me a San story, you know. But my top three <laughs> most striking San stories, you know, was someone came up to me and said, you know, you know, Son, she's so intense. You know, she wanted to build this peace pagoda. She didn't have a shovel. She started, you know, digging the ground with a spoon. And I think you would have to have been to the pagoda to understand the gravity of that statement, or maybe to just see it, to understand the gravity of that statement, which you can Google it. But to think of like this very, just like single lone Japanese woman taking a spoon to the dirt, It was amazing to me and the point of that story which is extreme but also 100% true is not to say that we have to be austere and go without to an extent that is extreme or almost the asceticism of the old monks and gurus of the old monks and gurus, it is not to say that we have to suffer so much. It is to say that, you know, so much suffering exists in the world. But, you know, if we can change our thoughts in a way that makes us, you know, have the compassion for for everyone in the world, not overwhelmingly, not to the point that we deplete ourselves, not to the point that we hurt ourselves, but if we can open ourselves to that Um, to understanding more of that suffering, well, that immediately opens us up to have more reserves of compassion and love and more accountability for each other as human beings. And when you have the, all of those things, especially accountability for other human beings, your, I feel your purchases change, your habits change, your actions change, right? You, you, you become more alive. So many people, exist in a silo which mm, is inherently selfish and self-serving even if it's coming from a place of like depression or isolation or grief or whatever you know or people exist in you know just little bubbles of their own little crew but those bubbles never you know venn diagram with any other bubbles they just are balloons bumping against each other on the floor like they never intersect and overlap they just parallel pass each other by and I think that for in order for humans to like make it now we really have to have that you know much deeper reserve of compassion and accountability but that comes with a much deeper reserve for the capacity to see suffering. And if you're gonna be able to see suffering, then you need to be able to have hope. And so basically what the message was, was that hope and faith are things that you basically, you you train for them and you practice them, you know? You train for them and you practice them. It's not just, like, they don't just appear and you just hold on to them. And so, you know, I I asked the question, like, well, what happens? Like when, like, when does God respond to somebody, like, asking God for help? You know, like, in this very violent moment, like, when someone's holding a gun, you know? And then they're like, oh, my God, please save me, help me, show me a miracle, I'll do anything. Or what? And the Spirit immediately was like, you know, first of all, like, you should pray every day. You should give thanks to God every day. And I'm sorry, this is so like using that like language of God. If, if you're more focused on the spirituality and not the like religious, and that's like a trigger for you, I'm sorry. And I do want to let you know that I will make an effort to not just say God starting now, um, you know, creator, source, great spirit, you know, why can you help me? Can you help me? And it's like the time that you're asking for help from great spirit if you understand great spirit if you understand creator it's not the time when that you know devastating end of life moment is upon you it's every day it's every moment it's every step that puts you in a path of having faith and trust to the point that if you're in that moment you should have almost the calm about you And this is a very tricky water to wade into right now with this language because there's a lot of religious extremism happening, there's a lot of gun violence. But I think that's maybe why they had me even even channel that message. Because there's a lot of fear. And when there's fear, people can be easily manipulated. And I see a lot of people being easily manipulated. And even turning into some kind of right wing religious expectation or experience that is very dangerous and very toxic and very much disconnected from Creator, not in alignment with, you know, living on probably their best path because they're living on a path based off of like fear and it's it's hard because there are so many things to be afraid of right now so so many reasons to to fear so it feels it doesn't feel the most joyful or um light or fun to talk about these things but it's 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 important you know and so we have to remember our own power in every moment which also means there's a certain amount of of space that we can hold for the collective for humanity for everything and there's a certain amount where we just have to kind of take care of ourselves and that's the balance and that To switch into a little bit of a Taoist understanding of existence is that image you see of the yin yang, that black with the white and that white with the black. That Pisces season, those two fish eternally circling one another. The avatar reference of the water spirit and the moon spirit just eternally in this dance. One without the other does not, it cannot, it cannot work. Suffering without compassion cannot work, and compassion without suffering cannot work. And so I think it's really hard to see that so many environmental disasters are happening right now. So many violent deaths are happening right now. And those things, you know, they could have been prevented. Humanity has always... (laughs) You know, I said in that, in that, in that message that Dolores Cannon said in an interview once that earth is the only realm that has free will, that has choice. And I've heard people talk of it as, you know, folks, spirits line up, people are lined up around the earth, spirits are lined up to try and be reborn here, to come back here. To be here is a privilege on earth. It is a gift. We are supposed to learn from it. And there are so many ways that you can learn and have fun and celebrate while honoring the land and other people, (laughs) other animals, other living beings, respecting yourself, but you can't do that if you feel powerless because when you feel powerless, you're going to either lash out, number one, or number two, want everyone to feel miserable with you, respectfully speaking, just like all the people who I would sit down as like a full of life 18-year-old and they would say like complete ash covering the whole earth. And I only laugh because like, you can't always talk in that way. And I think a similar thing with, you know, when I was doing Black Lives Matter organizing, it's like, okay, every 28 seconds, a person was killed by police. Like, yeah, that's that's true. And you have to talk about it. But you can't just keep talking about that because it's overwhelmingly depressing and it feels like there's no no way to go up against that. How can you go up against that? You have to find a balance. But like I was saying, you know, these things could have been prevented. Not because you can control... Mother Earth and her tides and her waves and her quakes and her tremors. But because people have known for literal generations, oh, well, the way that people are extracting from the earth is very dangerous and violent and there are severe consequences. Furthermore, before this continent was colonized, People knew exactly how to live in the balance with those laws of nature, spirit, body, and, you know, community. And I know people love to jump on that thread and say, like, Vanessa, you want us to go back and live primitive? And that's, you know, racist. But I also think that there's, there's something that had to happen where In this era that we exist now, there's so much, you know, technology that we can use to speak to each other. There's so much, you know, accessibility where you can, it's almost like telepathic. You can call someone on the other side of the world and see them face to face. We have so many gifts that exist here that this should be the paradise realm. But instead, often it ends up feeling like the opposite But those are because of our choices as humanity. And I've tried to speak about this many times. Respectfully, I hope I've done it, Grace. Because people will say, like, ah, it's the billionaires. For sure. (laughs) For sure, it's the billionaires. But don't you want to be the billionaire class? Don't I see people every day dehumanizing other people on social media? Don't I see people every day laughing at other people's misfortune or doing what they can to call out other people and being cruel and thinking that somehow a billionaire's cruelty is more faulty than their own personal cruelty? The only, you know, way that we can actually move forward and get out of this mess is through self-reflection and changing our own patterns and behaviors through learning to actually work together, to weave those nets of, or those like baskets of like shared community and understanding. And it gets hard because it's like, oh, well, this was robbed for me. My community already had that. Or this was, you know what I mean? And it's true. There's no, I have no good answer or no good solution for the descendants of the people whose ancestors have been enslaved and colonized and experienced genocide. And this is not like an indictment of a certain type of resistance, nor an invitation to a certain type of action, but rather a very clear reflection that if anything can change, it must happen through Self-reflection and change, and being open to community, right? Seeing the rehumanization. Like I don't know, humans have like a bad name in all of the world now. I feel humans have a bad reputation, you know. Humans have done so much brutality. But I was gonna say. But I was just gonna say, like, the rehumanizing, you know. That thing where we, we, we come back into supporting each other and living beautifully. And I think one thing that I've seen people talk about, and that's a sad truth, is that when 2020 started and the pandemic started, there were moments where people were doing what they could to support each other. They said, like, we have to get through this as a whole, maybe as a global community, right? Maybe as human beings, we have to show up for each other. Okay, well, none of us can come to work, so we will do FaceTime, blah, blah, But, (laughs) But there was a whole class of people who never missed a single day of work in the last three years, (laughs) you know? And like, those were the caretakers. Those are the people at the nursing homes, at the hospitals. Those are the people who were like fast food workers. And it's so funny because the people who were um like first responders, they got like discounts and deals and they were like, thank you to our first responders. But the people who were like serving coffee and breakfast, I feel did not get the same amount of like love or affection. And it's funny because our food is like what keeps us alive, you know? Like food and water, they keep us alive. So all of those people working at all of those drive-thrus were absolutely also first responders and caretakers and healers even, in a way. And the fact that they're not regarded as such is very, very, very... Uh, indicative of our relationship as a large human culture with the land, with our food, with how we nurture nourish ourselves because I think so many people have taken for granted that things come as a method of extraction no more mutually beneficial relationships so that's my time to stop talking because this is way longer, way deeper than I thought and I um I gotta go. So thank you, peace, goodbye, one love.